Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Good afternoon. My name's uh, Ian Walden. I'm uh, at the Centre for Commercial Law Studies at Queen Mary and I'm a solicitor at Baker & McKenzie. Uh, Amanda Brock, who will be speaking in the second half, is uh, a director and solicitor uh, at uh, a firm called Origin and is a visiting fellow. Well, in fact, was a student and now is a visiting fellow uh, at the Centre for Commercial uh, Law Studies. Um, uh, so, Catherine mentioned the fact uh, about free legal advice, and in fact, that's part of the excuse why uh, we're giving uh, this presentation today. And it kind of goes back to this first slide uh, and Q Legal, which I'll uh, uh, just want to mention. Q Legal is uh, a new pro bono legal advice centre that's been set up by uh, Queen Mary, by the Centre for Commercial Law Studies, to to offer pro bono legal and regulatory advice to startups and entrepreneurs. So uh, for those of you that uh, want clarity about that, it's called free legal advice. <laughs> pro bono is just a fancy way that lawyers like to talk about it, but free is the main word uh, that you'd be interested in. Uh, and what, uh, what the Centre for Commercial Law Studies teaches postgraduate students, we have, uh, and so we have highly, uh, highly educated and experienced students from around the world uh, who offer... Uh, under supervision from real proper solicitors, uh, legal advice to, to anybody that's in this area and that uh, has particular issues, legal and regulatory issues. So that's part of what uh, is really the advertising uh, that, that lay behind this session. But what we want to talk about uh, in the time given is uh, four, four areas. One is uh, understanding open, what open means. Obviously, uh, the ODI has a particular perspective on it, uh, and I uh, and Amanda are going to focus on different aspects of, of what what it means to be open, uh, and uh, that really comes back comes on to the second point, and the second point is really central to the title, which is about using law with attitude. Because, um, and I've been in conversations with Gavin Starks about this uh, in other contexts, but the point about using open source software or o open anything is uh, it doesn't occur in a legal vacuum it actually is subject to both public law and private law. And it's understanding the interaction between public law and private law that is at the heart of what uh, we want to talk about to, today. In terms of public law, what I mean is statute. Law adopted by governments, uh, promulgated, whether it be by the European Union or the Berne Convention or various different international instruments. We have a copyright regime, we have uh, a regime of related rights, such as moral rights, we have uh, patent laws, etc. And, and those are statutory regimes which are, in a way, designed to do the exact opposite of make data or software open. It's about granting proprietary rights over intellectual property, over data, over uh, product. Uh, and I'll come back to that in a moment. What's unique about open is the way you can use private law, and by private law I mean contract or licenses, to actually essentially subvert, if you like, the object, object of intellectual property laws. If intellectual property laws are designed to grant you rights, 
rights to control the use of your intellectual property, you can use contracts, and contracts are being used constantly, to essentially open up, make available that information, that source code, whatever it is uh, that you generate through your, uh, through your activities. And that's what we mean about using law with attitude. It's using contracts and license to achieve what you want in respect of the work product that you generate in a way to counter some of the effects of public law, statute, copyright, patents, trademark, whatever. Um, in terms of open, we're talking broad applicability uh, from software to medicine, and, and Amanda will come back to that. And we're also interested in, in the commercial implications. You know, doing open does not mean not making money. Making money, we have to admit, is something that's a necessary evil, whether you think it's evil or not, but it's necessary. So uh, the first thing I wanted to touch on is, is openness philosophy. Uh, and again, many of you will be familiar with this, the fact that uh, open source uh, or free software, the Free Software uh, Foundation, talks about the fact that when the, the use of the word free does not mean uh, free as in no cost, it means free as in free expression. And that is one of the, the sort of dimensions of the whole concept of, of open, is, is the fact that you may want to make your data ava widely available, but that doesn't mean you necessarily do it without cost, uh, but it is also... Uh, much more to do with uh, trying to promote an idea of free expression, of availability of data. Uh, and copyleft is another concept which is regularly used to try and uh, reflect this subversion, as I mentioned earlier, of the traditional concept of, of copyright, which is about control. Uh, copyleft is about using the same regime through private law agreements to create uh, a different uh, objective. Although we also have to bear in mind that Copyright can and is seen as an engine of free expression. I mean, there is some de debate and dispute about this. Uh, intellectual property laws have, if you like, got a bad name over recent years for a whole range of reasons that we don't have time to go into. But we do have to bear in mind that certainly when copyright laws were adopted in, in jurisdictions like the United States, as, as the Supreme Court has, uh, in the United States has made very clear, copyright was about being an engine for creativity, by giving people some sort of value in their intellectual property, in, in their intellectual creations. So I, don't, I, th I think it's always important to bear in mind that open doesn't necessarily, A, mean without money, but B, it doesn't necessarily mean that copyright is somehow uh, an evil that needs to be subverted all the time. The second point I wanted to make is this concept of moral rights. And moral rights may be something you are or are not familiar with, but they are real legal rights. That's the first thing to bear in mind. They're legal rights that exist under international convention. They exist under UK statutory law. Uh, but most importantly, they're rights that exist and are asserted quite uh, powerfully within continental Europe. Continental Europe has a different view or a historically different view about the rights that authors have in their works. Uh, and under English law and under stronger laws in countries such as France, those that create intellectual property, copyright, have rights to control the integrity and the paternity of the product, the, or the, whether it be source code or otherwise that they create. Uh, and as I'll come on to explain, those moral rights can't be ignored because they are rights that are vested in you as creators 
uh, and as such, again, you may have to use licenses or uh, contracts to try and ensure that those moral rights do not get used or abused in a way uh, that is unintended. Another concept uh, is public domain. People often mix up public domain and open as if they are one and the same thing. Uh, but it is important to bear in mind that although some types of, uh, of, of work product are not protectable or uh, run out of protection, they, the, the protection granted in, in law uh, expires, at the same time, copyright can't just be abandoned. You can't just say, I, I don't want this copyright. Particularly under English law, you can't, there is no doctrine of abandonment. You can't give up your copyright, however much you'd like to. Uh, you can't do that. You can under US law, but again under Euro civil European jurisdictions, the continental European jurisdictions, again, it is very hard to do that. You can't just place something in the public domain and therefore say, I have no interest in this. Well, you can say that, but the key point from a legal perspective is that's not necessarily the reality. So, open is also being uh, pursued as, uh, as public policy. Governments have, have looked at the possibility of open data, open source, hence this institute, as a way of encouraging particular behaviours, particular uh, you know, innovation and uh, business development, etc. Uh, and this slide essentially outlines different ways in which governments try to, to encourage uh, open source and, uh, and free and open uh, activities. From the UK government, the Cabinet Office uh, last year adopted a, an open standards policy, which was very much directed at trying to ensure that when government adopts a standard in a particular area, that that standard is open. But the big debate, which has caused significant controversy, is whether open, again, means free not the same thing, uh, and uh, the government has somewhat backtracked from its initial uh, policy uh, announcements, uh, recognising that there is a vibrant commercial sector that does need and want to make money out of uh, open source. Um, so open as private law. I mentioned contracts, and, and the term contracts and licences is used throughout uh, the open source community, but again, we have to be wary of assuming that the label means what it says on the tin. So a licence, for example, could, in certain circumstances, constitute a contract. And in other circumstances, the way in which the licence is imposed upon you is not contractual in nature. And that has very important implications from a legal perspective. Whether you are using open source code under a licence or a contract, has implications for the liability that you may owe the licensor, has implications for the enforceability by the licensor, remedies, governing law, a whole series of different issues can arise and be distinguished between licenses that are essentially unilateral grants by the creator to allow you to utilise their copyright, as opposed to contractual arrangements whereby the two parties enter into uh, binding obligations or mutual obligations. So not only do we have to think about what is it that we're actually signing up to. Is it a contract or is it a license? We also have to bear in mind that whether, where we sit in a supply chain, whether we're a developer or a distributor or an end user, again has implications for which terms and conditions or which 
statements are applicable to our particular activity. And we see in the open source community uh, an emergence, a huge variety of, uh, of open source licenses. Over 80 different variants have, uh, uh, are in existence, although most of them uh, are uh, utilizing the GPL version 2. But the point I'd make about that is, is variation is uh, creativity in terms of the, uh, the, the number of licenses has its own uh, downside for the open community because of problems of incompatibility. Uh, because what we see within the open source community is two broad categories of, of license or contract, one of which, the free source movement being the most uh, pertinent example, utilizes licenses essentially to promulgate the openness of the data that, or the source code that they are uh, making available. So the license doesn't just bind the user, but it binds the user in a way that, such that their creativity, any modifications they may make, uh, modifications uh, having... You know, I, I use modifications as a general term, but under, again, under copyright law, it has very specific meaning. And different meanings in, in, in the United States, they use the word derivative works. And in the United Kingdom, they use the word adaptation. And... That's the statutory, uh, statutory terminology that's used. But again, in the licenses, like GPL version, version 2, rather than use either the word derivative work or um, uh, adaptation, they utilize their own terminology. So again, we see, we see this using law with attitude. We see, on the one hand, public law saying that copyright holders can retain control over their works when their work is modified, either as a derivative work under US law or under an adaptation under uh, UK law. But then you can use the license to try and control the way in which any modification is essentially made available to subsequent users. And again, copyright left, reciprocal or viral licenses control not only the original material that's been licensed but they also control any subsequent or additional material that is, that is added or uh, uh, ma any modification that is made to, to, to that original material. So to understand open, we have to understand not only what the law demands of us in the jurisdiction in which we're operating, but also any other jurisdiction, but we also have to be aware of how does the licence try to subvert or change what would be the rules uh, that you are subject to under, uh, under uh, statute. And finally, I, I want to mention, of course, it isn't just about the licences that you sign up to or that you make your work product subject to. It is also about a process. It's about a development methodology. Uh, to what extent do you only want to use proprietary code? To what extent do you end up with a commingled uh, product where ownership is very unclear, where the applicable licenses is, is confused, or uh, there's a multiplicity of uh, uh, applicable licenses? And often we see in one of the areas that Q Legal is. Uh, is um, advising in already is the fact that some people, you know, you operate, you generate code, you're interested in turning that into a workable business, and then you suddenly find out that the code, some of the code under which you have been uh, writing, or some of the code that you've been utilizing, isn't yours to commercialize. 
or is subject to terms that essentially undermine the value of what you think you've created. So it isn't just important to think about public uh, uh, contracts and licenses between you as a, utili- as a user or you as a developer. You also have to think about the community in which you operate because community development has specific implications under, uh, under copyright law, which, again, can be subverted or altered through contract, but, again, it's important that those contracts are made. So I'll hand over now to Amanda to talk about the commercialisation. You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture, brought to you by the Open Data Institute.